0: You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarville, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024.
1: If you've got your Bibles with you, go to Zephaniah chapter 3. Zephaniah chapter 3. What I want to do this morning is I I just I'm going to I'm going to start by just reading the text and then we'll we'll dive in and and pray over that and then begin. So let's read and we're going to start in verse 14 verse 14. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. Oh, that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hand grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with a loud singing. He will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold at this time, This is the word of the Lord this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the power of your word. And God, we pray that this morning, as your word goes forth, it would transform, it would change, it would encourage, it would convict and enlighten. God, help us as your people to hold your word in high esteem. We thank you for the power of it to transform the hearts and the minds and the lives of human beings. We pray all this in your beautiful and precious name. Amen. So this season, this season that we're in is such an incredible season. And, and the reason we are doing the things that we're doing here is because of Christ. I know that that is, is a little bit of a uh, cliche statement. No, no, The reason for the season is Jesus. I know that that's a little overused, a little bit cliche. And, but the, the hope of redemption is is what this entire season is about. The hope of Christ doing what Christ does is is so good. Because of Christ's coming 2000 years ago in this in the manger that we sing about, we sing about oh little town of Bethlehem and and all the different songs that we sing about Christ's coming, the incarnation, God with us, the Emmanuel, the future that we have is so secure so beautiful so rich and the future where and when christ will eradicate there's a coming a day when christ is going to eradicate all sin all death all depravity and it it will all be done away with amen anybody else excited about that fact god's going to eradicate these things So today I want us to talk about when Christ makes all things new. So this text, you know, we just sang Joy to the World. Joy to the World is not a Christmas hymn. It's actually a song of when Christ makes everything new on the earth. If you read the text, as you read that song, No more shall sin rule the earth. Joy to the World. That's because Jesus comes and makes sets everything right. This text talks about this. And so today I want to talk about out of Zephaniah about how Christ makes all things new. Now, if you look at the text, it's talking about when Israel will be restored and Christ will be sitting on the throne as king over the earth. Sin will be Done away with, enemies will be eradicated, problems will be, there'll be no more hunger, there'll be no more thirsting, there'll be no more depravity, there'll be no more wars, there'll be no more death, carnage, pain, suffering, all those things will be done away with. He, he's going to restore, the Messiah will restore his People. And so that's what we, I want to look at. We're going to start in verse 14. I want us to, to just pick this text apart this morning as we think about Christmas and we think about the coming of the Messiah and what he's done. We're also going to look at the future coming of our Messiah. So the first thing we see in verse 14 is sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, rejoice and exalt with all your heart O daughter of Jerusalem so we see this in verse 14 through 16 here this this idea the basis of the rejoicing of that day is, is the day of judgment has passed and King Jesus rules and reigns fully and, and we see how this fact is unfur- unfolding here that it says what verse 15 the Lord has taken away the judgments against you now why in the world were there judgments against Israel? Think about all how, for years, thousands and thousands and thousands of years, Israel has not loved God the way they should. All through the Old Testament, we see where they love other things more than God. They love certain things. And that now we live in a day when the Jews don't love Jesus, they don't pursue Christ, they don't love Jesus Christ. He's not viewed as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so, this day, the judgments have passed, and now there is rejoicing in the land. There's rejoicing, and the basis of this rejoicing is based on that fact that Christ is ruling, and we see this beautiful effect of them gathering everyone together, and as a result of this, the people are singing with joy in verse 14. They're singing aloud this beautiful hymn of rejoicing. Why? Because of what happens in verse 15. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. And the King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. So, I'll just... Look at that text for just a little bit. I just want us to see and unpack that there's three different ideas in that one particular text that are just so glorious and so amazing for us as believers. First thing we see here, because here's the thing. I know that this is talking about the Jews. I know this is talking about Israelites. But I want you to understand you've been adopted into the family. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that we as Gentiles have been adopted in. So this has application for us. We get to see this in essence. We get to see and be a part of this because God has taken away all judgment against us. Those that have placed our hope and our trust and our faith in Jesus Christ, all judgments have been taken away. Psalms chapter 32 verse 1 says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Anybody thankful for that fact that God's Saved you and and covered your transgressions. Am I the only one in the house that's thankful for that? I and mean, I'm thankful for the to to the Lord for that beautiful fact alone. So all judgments have been taken away. Number one, number two, all enemies are cleared away. All sinfulness, because here's the alt. Who's the ultimate enemy? Satan is the ultimate enemy, and your sin nature rival is right there next to him. So all sinfulness, all all enemies have been done away with all sinfulness has been dealt with listen, God has called us not to deal with our enemies I know that we live in a world in a time frame when we feel like maybe we should deal with our enemies how many of you guys would love to take vengeance on somebody that's an enemy yeah. listen, I want to do the Lord's work I know, that, I know that God vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord but God I want to be your tool I want to be your vessel, right? Some of us want to deal swiftly with our enemies, but we're called not to do this. God tells us that we're not to deal with our enemies. We are called to do something different. God repays vengeance. God is the one who does vengeance. First Peter chapter three verse nine says, "Do not repay with or do not repay evil with evil, or insult with insult." Man, that goes against our just our human nature. How many of us love it? You know love to get a good comeback in a good little swipe at somebody am i the only one that likes a good comeback every once in a while all right all right i'm I'm in good company then because every once in a while i want to have a good comeback but that's not what god calls us to do god says don't repay evil with with evil or insult with insult on the contrary repay evil with blessing That just goes against my grain, right? But that's what we as Christians have been called to do, is don't repay evil for evil, but rather repay evil with blessing. Because because to this, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. So God's called us as Christians, don't repay evil for evil, Because there's coming a day when God is going to deal with evilness. He is going to wipe out your enemies. He is going to wipe out those that have wounded you. He's going to wipe them out. And here's like, listen, let God handle your enemies. You be faithful to spread the gospel. That's what I want to call us to do this morning is don't be faithful to try to take out your enemy. You be faithful to share the gospel. Listen, listen. If you are longing for mercy for yourself, but you're longing for justice for your enemies, you've missed the point of the gospel. Amen? We all, listen, every single one of us in this room deserve justice for our sinfulness. And I'm thankful to the Lord Jesus Christ for mercy. Amen? What would it look like if we as human beings, as Christians, prayed for mercy to befall those who we deem unworthy of grace? Let me say that again. What would it look like if we as human beings prayed for mercy to befall those who we deem unworthy for grace? I believe that we would see revival. I believe that we would see men and women saved and come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord has called us not to deal with our enemies, but he will. He tells us there in verse 14, the Lord has taken away all judgment. All sin has been taken away and he's cleared away all enemies. The ultimate enemies that will be cleared is Satan and sin and death. Those three will be eradicated in a believer's life. They'll be eradicated. That's number two. Number three, the Lord is in your midst and you will never have to fear Evil again. This is the third point of the and the crux of this entire verse 14. Because Christ is in our midst, we have no judgment against us. Because Christ is in our midst, and he is for us, we do not have to have any fear of judgment or evil ever again. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, tells us that. There is there now for, therefore, now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. there's none. And then you, you follow that up and go a little bit further in Romans chapter 8 verse 33 and 34. it tells us this, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised and is at the right hand of God who is interceding on behalf of us. So because he is in our midst, we have all enemies cleared away. We have all sinfulness eradicated. We have all pain eradicated because of what Christ has done. This is the beauty and the message of what Christmas is all about. Christ came to take away the sins of those that would believe. Amen? Has He taken sin away in your life? Has He forgiven you of your past and your pain and your injustices that you've maybe even perpetrated on other people? Have Has God forgiven you? And if He has, that's... That's amazing. When when Jesus enters into your timeline of your life and saves you, he changes everything. Your eternal destiny has changed. You've moved from being on a path designed and destined for hell and destruction and that path has been changed and your destiny is now everlasting life. So you've moved from a a path of destruction to a path of everlasting life. You've moved from a path of damnation to a path of life and beauty. Whew, that's good stuff. Not because I say it, but because God's word says it, amen. Y'all awake? Y'all had some Christmas pudding already? Come on now. Your eternal destiny is changed because of Jesus. Now, this path was not paved. Listen, I want, I want us to understand this because the world we, in which we live tends to think things differently as, other than the Bible. This destiny that has been changed is not because you're a good person. It's not because you've done good things. You doing good things will never get you into heaven. I'm thankful that people do good things, but that is not the basis of salvation. Salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That is it. There are, there are stories about um, Charles Manson. You guys remember who Charles Manson is? Not the nicest guy. Not the guy I'd like to have for a neighbor. He's in prison There's a testimony that he heard the gospel, repented of his sins, and is saved. You say, how could God save somebody like Charles Manson? Well, how could God save somebody like me? How could God save somebody like you? If God could save somebody like me, he could save somebody like Charles Manson. If he could save somebody like Charles Manson, he could save somebody like King David. Amen? Amen. That's, that's the beauty of this, is that God's grace is not dependent upon your work. It's not dependent on your good works. The path was not paved by your good deeds. It was paved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ's work on the cross is what saves and seals a human being into heaven. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is what sets you and I apart from the wickedness of this world if it weren't for the grace and the blood of the lord jesus christ you would be in the same boat as every murderer and rapist in the world i know we don't like to hear that but that's the truth of the the, that's the truth so because jesus is in our midst we no longer have to fear evil i know that that should cause i know we're baptist and we're quiet but that should cause us to get a little excited Like We don't have to fear evil any longer. Evil has been dealt with on the cross. When Jesus said, Tetelestai, it is paid in full. It's finished. He meant it. It was finished on the cross. We are secure in Christ. And then you look at verse 16 because of that above fact about verse 15. Verse 16 says, Oh, that day it shall be be said to Jerusalem, fear not, O Zion, let not your hand grow weak. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weak in this. Don't don't get worried because of the fact above in verse 15 about Jesus taking away the judgments and taking away all your enemies and being in your midst and saving and redeeming you. You don't have to grow weary. Galatians chapter six, verse nine says, so let not let us not grow tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Why? 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 Verse 17 gives us why. The Lord your God is in your midst. So he's told us again for a second time. He's in our midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness and he will quiet you with his love. Every once in a while we just need to be quieted down. Amen? Just need to be still for a moment and just bask in the beauty of who God is. The Lord is in our midst, a mighty one who will save. And not to mention, not only He's going to rejoice over you with gladness, the Lord is pleased with His children. And according to Ephesians chapter 1, He lavishes His grace upon His children. He will bring peace and quietness with His love. Like that's the idea of this... What Jesus came when he came, he brings peace to those that would believe. The birth of what the birth of Jesus into humanity's timeline is to bring peace for those that would believe. Amen. The Lord's pleased with his children. And then verse 18 says, He will gather those who mourn for the festivals. Now, in this day and this time, a little bit of history, those who are unable to fellowship. They weren't able to have be a part of the festival. Festivals in this day were such a huge deal. Feasts and festivals were a big deal to the Jews. And they weren't allowed to. They were oppressed and weren't allowed to be a part of these things. And so he says, listen, I'm going to gather you all together. Listen to this. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festivals. Those that have longed to have this fellowship. Those that have longed to be a part of the festivals. Those that have longed to be a part of and and commune with God. I'm going to grant that to you. So that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at the right time, I will deal with your oppressors. So he tells him a second time, listen, I'm going to wipe away all your enemies, but I'm also going to deal with your oppressors. I'm giving you another boost here, telling you, I'm going to take care of those who have oppressed you. I will gather those together for the festivals. Those that have been able, unable to fellowship and be a part of the sacred festivals that were considered to be so important, he will give that back to them. He'll give it back tenfold. Oh, it's so good to see this. They will have all of this restored to them. This makes me think of Matthew chapter 19, verse 29. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or children or lands for my name's sake. Notice it's for a particular reason. For the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you've lost these things. Look what happens. They will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Ooh, man, that's so good. That is such a glorious word to hear. That, man, some of us have lost some stuff because we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We've lost some family members because of that. We've lost some, some power. We've lost some possession. We've lost things the same idea here they were oppressed by people who took this stuff away from them God promises I'm going to restore this the Lord Jesus Christ will restore those who have suffered for the name of Jesus that, can, that promise is continued in First Peter chapter 5 verse 10 now listen to this listen to this because here's what we have been sold in modern evangelicalism That, hey, if you get Jesus, you're not going to have any problems. You get Jesus, your life's going to be awesome. Well, 1 Peter chapter 5 says something completely different. After you've suffered a little while, and what's a little while? I don't know. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm strengthen, and establish you. Aha! Now that is good news. So the Lord, for those who have, have repented and placed their hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, those that have suffered for that purpose, for His namesake, He's going to restore all of that back. He's going to restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish You. That's good and great and glorious and amazing news for those who have placed their hope in Jesus. What we celebrate at this time of the year is ultimate hope. We are in a season and a time when we have hope. We have the ability to place our hope and our trust and our faith in Christ. That, that time has not been taken away from us. We're in the midst of that right now. You're in a time of mercy you are in a time of grace where God is wooing and calling and persuading those to come to him. And, and this is the ultimate hope. This, and this is why I'm not sure for those who are outside of Christ. Like I said in the beginning of this, listen, this season is great. I love this season. But there are some people that don't follow this season for its actual reason. We don't follow the, the king we don't love Jesus. We love the lights. We love the presence. We love the family traditions. And we like the, the, the sweet, sentimental t- feeling. I, mean, I just watched the Chevy commercial. bawled my eyes out. Anybody else? Well, I play, posted on my Facebook. I was like, I'm not crying. You are. But I was, my, I was ugly crying at my, at my table. I, was, I sent it to my whole family. I was like, I'm not crying. You are. But I was bawling. Those sentimental feelings are nice, but that's not the reason for the season. The reason for the season is Jesus Christ. And I'm not sure why those that are outside of Christ get so excited for this season. This is a season that we celebrate for the fact that Christ has come to redeem. Christ has come to set us free. This is the actual hope. And that if you've rejected that hope, why celebrate the birth of a savior that you have no allegiance to? Why celebrate the birth? Because everybody, man, Beyoncé singing about baby Jesus. All these secular artists who have really ties to unworldly and ungodly things, at Christmas time, they sing about little baby Jesus. Man, why would you sing about a king that you have no allegiance to? These people do this so I, I it just it boggles my mind why people get excited, but it also gets me excited that this is a season when we can start talking about Jesus more freely because people are more open to hear about. Jesus, Listen, he came as a baby the first time, but I'm telling you, he's coming back as a conquering king the next time. And he will not come meek and mild. He will come in as a king making decrees that you will have to obey. The scripture says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And for those that are in Christ, man, we're going to do that with joy and excitement. and But for those that are outside of Christ, you will do this But it will not be a time of joy. It will be a time of dread. All you're doing is those that are not allegiant, those that do not have allegiances to Christ, all you're doing is storing up wrath for yourself. But those that have placed their hope and their trust and their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ are storing up grace for themselves. Let's just, let me ask a real pointed question. If you could strip all the outward veneer off and we could just look at your heart, because that's what Jesus does. Jesus strips all the intentions, all the veneer, all the pretty wrapping. He strips all that away and he sees the actual intention of your heart. He knows the actual intention of my heart. The real true intention of your hearts. Do you really love Jesus? Do you really love Jesus? Or do you just say it because it's culturally okay to say it in this room? Because, like I said in Sunday school, a lot of people say they know Jesus, but they love their sin more than they love the Savior. And for those that love their sin more than they love the Savior, I fear for their souls, and so that's why I stand here and proclaim, Thus saith the Lord, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Hand, Are you 100% washed in the power of His blood? If not, why not? And so my plea for us this morning is that you repent of your sins and place your hope and your faith and your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because Christ has come to set us free. The hope of redemption is in that baby. He grew to a man and took your place on the cross. You deserve the full wrath of the cross, and Jesus took that for you. For your sake, that was done. And for those who have done that, repented and placed their hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 19 holds true. Listen, for those that have placed their hope in Christ, behold, verse 19, first half of verse 19. Well, actually, the whole verse. Behold, at that time I will deal with your oppressors, and I will listen, and I will save the lame, who's who's been lamed by sin, and I will gather the outcast who's been an outcast because of your sin. Every single one of us, and I will change their shame into praise. Those that have been shamed. Now, listen. I know that the, the the cultural context here is the shame of the Jews. one of the biggest one of the races throughout the entire world of human beings has been the Jews that have been oppressed and cast out and demeaned and torn apart all throughout the Bible all throughout modern history 6 million killed in World War II. over 6 million Jews killed in World War II. why? well Hitler didn't like them why didn't Hitler like them? because he had a demonic spirit inside of him that said I want to kill these people why? because they're God's people because of God's people. So God's going to restore these people. He's going to save and he's going to gather the outcasts. He's going to change their shame into peace. Now, that includes those that are in Christ because we've been adopted into the family. So if you've got shame and reproach on you, that's been changed with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And your shame will be turned into praise and renown throughout all the earth. And at that time, I will bring, verse 20, I will bring you in at the time when I gather them together, gather you together, for I will make you renowned and all and praised among all the peoples of the earth. And I will restore your fortune. Back to, remember that we talked about in Matthew? He's restoring, he's restoring, he's restoring, he's restoring. Behold, at that time, I will deal with your oppressors and I will save the lame. And I will gather the outcasts and I will change their shame into praise. Those who have placed their faith and their trust and, the ho- and their hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Who have repented of their sins. Repent is a big church word for turn away from your sins. Ask God to forgive you and to follow Jesus. First John 1.9 If you confess your sins, say them to the Lord. Lord Jesus, I am sorry that I have sinned. Forgive me of my sinfulness. Forgive me of my sin, and God knows your sin. First John 1 9, if you confess your sins, He, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. Those that have done this, those that have been outcast will be and who have been filled with shame over their sin will have their day. You who have been shamed in your sin, that have repented, will have a day of redemption. You will be redeemed. Why? Because the Messiah has come to do just that. To redeem. To redeem. Now listen. Not only will, like that's the good side of this. I want you to understand that what Jesus did when Jesus came into the timeline of humanity is he made war. It was a declaration of war against sin, Satan, death, and hell. When Jesus entered in on that quiet night in Bethlehem, it was a declaration of war against the enemy. And the enemy knew it. Because the enemy moved all of earth's forces to try to find him and kill him. Remember how many babies? The slaughter of children two years and down by Herod. Because King Herod heard that there was the king of the Jews in town. He was not happy. There was a massive violent effect. And because of that that actual violence that took place, there was this declaration of war from Jesus on Satan. There was a declaration of war against sin when Jesus came. And Satan knew that. He's like, uh-oh, Jesus has come. He knew all the ramifications. He knew all the implications of Christ coming. And he's like... I've got to move and I've got to try to figure out how to stop this because there was this declaration of war against Satan and sin and death and hell. All these things came. The Messiah came to redeem, reconcile, and redeem and, and pull back those who would believe. Oh, my brothers and sisters, if you're here today and you've not repented of your sins, you've not trusted, you've not placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ today, I pray that you would. Oh, I pray that you would repent and that you would enter into the ultimate ark of safety, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the picture, Noah's ark, when the flood happened. The ark was a picture of Christ. And when, remember when Noah came, God said, Come into the ark. Because God was already there. They entered into that ark of safety. Christ is the ark of safety that we are to enter into. And he's calling some of us, even maybe this morning, to enter in. Repent of your sins. Oh my goodness, my brothers and sisters. I want you to hear this, that Jesus Christ does love you. But your sin is what separates you from that relationship with Jesus. And you've got to confess that. You've got to repent of it and get rid of it. And those that have placed their hope and their trust and their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will have their day. So as we end this service this morning, I just want you, I want to wish all of you a Merry Christmas. And I pray that you'd see Jesus as more than just a little baby in a manger, but rather you'd see Him for who He is, the actual conquering King that deserves your worship. The conquering King that deserves your worship. Worship. And if you, if you have done that, then praise the Lord. If you haven't done that, I'm pleading with you this morning to come and to make your stance with God. Say, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. And so what I'm going to do this morning as we begin this, because salvation is a gift. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace have you been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift from God to you. The ultimate gift, the reason we give gifts to people under the trees on Christmas morning is because of the ultimate gift that Jesus gave in his sacrifice for you.
0: You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, PO Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas 67024. God bless you.